Hi, and welcome to an episode of the Jet Rails podcast. I'm Robert Rand, your host. Today, I'm joined by Raleigh, who's here on behalf of the Codable team. And we're going to be talking about vetting web dev freelancers. In essence, getting developers to work on, on projects for you, um, whether on an ad hoc basis or an ongoing basis, uh, that aren't your employees um, and that aren't necessarily um, part of a traditional agency, but that have standards. Um, and <laughs> we'll talk about you know how you can find the the best possible developers and what some of those uh, important things to to look for are in the process. Um, so, with no further ado, uh, I'll turn over the mic uh, if you'd care to introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you so much, Robert. It's a pleasure to be here today. So I have a you know a short introduction, but I actually just found a kind of a longer introduction of who I am just to kind of set the stage a little bit as it relates to kind of everything we dig into. Um, so sorry, I'm going to kind of uh, read through a little intro of myself and that'll kind of help kind of people understand where I'm coming from. So my name's Raleigh and I've been personally working with WordPress for over 10 years. Uh, the most significant moment in my WordPress career was way back in 2015 when I received an email from Per S. Benson, the CEO and co-founder of a company called Codable. That email was saying that I had been accepted as an expert developer on their platform. I didn't really know it at the time, but this would end up being a life-changing moment for me. And so if you fast forward a year or so from then, after completing more than 100 projects as an expert, I was asked to join the Codable's in-house staff on the support team. So I worked the support team for another year or so before changing hats to help with marketing and ultimately finding my real purpose at Codable, which is partnerships, which is where I can bring Codable to the most people in the most leveraged way. And so kind of the reason I tell you all that is um, to, to just show that I'm a true Codable advocate. And I'm really one of 500 others that we have in our developer network at Codable. And I really sincerely believe in how we're helping people and improving, improving the lives of all those we touch. So I really appreciate the kind of opportunity to explain how we do that exactly and, and talk a little bit more about that today. And, and yeah, my focus has been kind of in WordPress in the last 10 years. But we all know, you know, developer types like myself come from a variety of technical backgrounds. So um, it might get out outside that as well a little bit. But hope that explains it. Absolutely. No, Raleigh, thanks for that introduction. And so, you know, while you have a, a more diverse background in the WordPress community, you joined Codable. And, and so Codable, what was created uh, in order to really bring developers together into, would you call it a marketplace in essence? Or how would you define Codable? Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. And so Cordable was born about seven or eight years ago out of frustration with the current kind of marketplaces and solutions for hiring developers out there, um, or freelance developers, I should say. So today, Codable is the only uh, WordPress-exclusive global freelancer marketplace that pre-vets the developers that they allow on the platform to help clients coming there. So that's kind of the official definition. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, and in Perhaps before Codable was was even created, uh, I had definitely had experiences trying to get developers through. Uh, p- pick your poison, right? Odesk, Elance, yeah. you know, yeah. Upwork, uh, through some of these various uh, places that were 
I, I would say maybe less curated marketplaces. So exactly. they were open to anybody that wanted to list themselves and, and offer their services. And there really wasn't a lot of oversight. Uh, may have run into a couple of good developers through there. But by and large, most of the experience was pretty poor. Um, yeah. So how yeah. would you compare? Because I, I guess part of uh, you mentioned, you know, you've got a few hundred uh, developers available, you know, through the Codable platform. Um, I would think that, you know, with some of these other historical platforms that you were talking multiples. And so in, in economies of scale, very hard to provide high quality when you're on the Walmart scale. Um, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's more of a numbers game than, than a quality right. game and probably uh, a good amount of burnout. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of competition. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I worked like, uh, yeah, my kind of history too, like my very first, which might be relevant even for your audience is uh, when I was in college, I got an internship at a surfboard shop in San Diego and they had a five retail locations and a, and a e-commerce website that ran on Magento actually with a WordPress blog. And so my very kind of intro to e-commerce and kind of getting started in this whole biz was on Magento. And um, so once I did that, I ran an agency for three years and then kind of got back into freelancing, which is where my story earlier kind of picked up. But when I was getting back into freelancer or becoming a freelancer, you know, I sold my agency. I was like, man, I just, I, I need more leads. I'm always looking for quality clients and, and finding them. And so I did join things like people per hour, Upwork, freelancer, whatever it, whatever they're all called now. And, um, it's just, it's the same old, you know, like it's the, 50 people who have never even read the briefs submitting their bids and that bidding race to the bottom where quality just gets totally thrown out the window. So I never saw any success as a freelancer on those platforms. And today we have developers who have seen some success on those platforms working for Codable, but now they work on Codable and that kind of was a big shift for them. And so, yeah, that's the whole in our co-founders, uh, Per and Tomaj, that's, they actually met on one of those other platforms. Uh, Per was running an agency and they got in a little bit over their, you know, their, their scope and kind of what they could handle in house. And so they needed to hire, it was for a typo three developer. And so he met. Mm. Tomas, the the co-founder, and they started working together. And then, you know, one thing led to another and they're just like, man, there's got to be a better way. And so sure enough, like, boom, there's Codable. And it's kind of born out of all that, that same frustration. And it's not to be said that you can't find, you know, great people on those other platforms. But the vetting aspect is just so crucial because, you know, if you're just a business owner, you don't know the first thing necessarily about how to vet or how to qualify these people. And then if we're talking, you know, e-commerce or anything like that, it's not just a website, it's a business and it's supporting people. And if you're just going to go and hire some self-proclaimed unvetted developer and, and put your trust and your whole business in their hands, like, I don't know, like certain yeah, things about that I mean, kind you know, of make you, me start to ner- get a little nervous. Yeah, You can hope that you find some of those developers that, you know, already have a lot of great reviews. And so, you, yeah. you can try to put yourself in the hands of the masses to have already done some of that yeah. um, vetting for you. But, you know, those people that are pretty good, they, they probably they get more expensive. Um, they're in more demand. They're harder to, to get for new jobs and other things. And, um, yeah, you know, the, exactly. the, you do run into the, these issues when you've, you've got that sort of, uh, f- you know, complete free market system. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, very much yeah. a capitalist. Uh, yeah. I love the free market. But um, that's not always the, the easiest way for the, the e-commerce merchant or website owner. And, you know, w- when you pair this together, 
uh, you know, part of uh, what I found was that it, it was hard because like you mentioned that people were putting in bids that they didn't really have a full grasp on. And so mm-hmm. they were un- under quoting the amount of time, under quoting the cost um, at the end, you know, n- the job, you know, they, there were misunderstandings. There were things that, yeah. you know, when you hire a developer as an agency, they, it doesn't always work out. And, Mm-hmm. You you know you can uh, I remember having um, uh, you know in double digits of developers on staff and still winding up bringing in you know junior devs and others yeah. and in some cases senior devs that didn't work out mm-hmm. um, and it yeah. may have been you know they may have had a solid resume but uh, yeah. it didn't you know so what you and, can get out of just reading there basically the equivalent of a LinkedIn profile right yeah. it, it doesn't <laughs> always tell you how you know exactly how this is going to pan out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like when I first joined Codable, I was, you know, I, I thought I was a pretty good freelance developer at that point. I'd run an agency, I'd had hundreds of clients, you know, I was real business minded. I could design, I could develop, I knew marketing. So it's pretty well-rounded um, and experienced. And and still, when, once I joined Codable, you know, they started uh, providing those tradings and those guidelines and kind of the golden rule that was kind of an aha moment for me at Codable was um, that you're only allowed to estimate a project if the scope of work is crystal clear and you're absolutely sure that you can deliver that at the top quality. And so it seems very simple. Like, yeah, don't give a number unless you stand behind it. But like somehow like reading it in their initial guidelines, like I was like, huh, you know, that is that easy. So that what that does is that it forces you to ask smart questions and show the client that you understand the project maybe even better than they do, which just has this crazy effect of like building confidence in the client in terms of them wanting to hire you, as well as, you know, avoiding or mitigating all those things that you already brought up about, you know, when the project is reaching an end and there's missing pieces and whatnot. And so... I find it really, really irresponsible the the sort of bidding that goes on and that drive to the the bottom to mm-hmm. where quality just gets thrown out because like it's you know we'll get people coming to Kodal that says like oh well, this developer said they could do it for that much and it's like well yeah go hire them for that much and see how it goes you know and it's like so it's just really irresponsible I think to put out a number unless you're really willing to stand behind it and know that that's going to be done with quality and that the client will be happy yeah. and so that's just kind of the kind of the Codable golden rule. Of course, there's 13 other pillars and everything that kind of go along with how we've been able to kind of ensure our quality and everything. But yeah, we can kind of get into that more. Uh, I love that concept of if, if you don't know, you can't bid because yeah. th- that's an Achilles heel for the entire industry. It's, mm-hmm. you know, sales ha- you know has a vested yeah. interest in one way or another, whether it's in commissions or whether it's just in hitting quotas or, you know, or, or meeting, uh, you know, certain uh, requirements or whatever it may be mm-hmm. of generating the sale. And so really, you know, having the right focus on sales engineering, on understanding what the, uh, what the needs are, what this real scope is and mm-hmm. being able to build around that, um, asking smart questions. I, for years, I wouldn't sell a Magento site without getting at least an hour or two with, with the client and some yeah. cases more, um, right. It was the equivalent, I would tell them, of you know trying to build a house. If I don't understand um, how many 
bedrooms and how many bathrooms and, <laughs> you know, how many floors and what, you know, and, and is there going to be, I don't know, you know, p- they think that it just comes with a central vacuum system or something that, yep, uh, you know, that all of a sudden was supposed to be included that no, I didn't know because they'd never you're asked the for professional, it. You yeah, why known, didn't I ask you know? for, yeah. you know, if they wanted it. Right. Yeah. So it, expectations are everything in life. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, it, the job really is doing your best to make sure that that you understand um, what <laughs> what you're on both sides of the aisle, what you're getting into. I think that there's also um, a, an amount of um, you know for, of requirement on you know on the person who's submitting this request mm-hmm. and who's reviewing it um, yeah. to identify if things aren't there that you know that again that they think should be. <laughs> yeah. And even the client will like uh, just attempt to like shoot themselves in the foot. So many times we see it where they come and they're like, Oh, why am I, why are you asking so many questions? I just need a price, you know? And we're like, Ooh, like that's like set up a recipe for disaster, you know? If that's you're right. into, and so we're just like, yo, like the questions make sense, you know, like it's, it's all Measure in your best twice, interest. Cut, cut once. And look, yeah. I, I wound up in situations where people were asking for absolutely the wrong thing. It was like, you know, right. they wanted yeah. to customize something to do something because they didn't know that there was an easier way, um, yeah. like built in already to get to the end goal that they were after. Yeah. So they, they yeah. were trying to ha- to describe an engineering solution <laughs> for a problem that didn't exist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. all, all sorts of things that, um, you know, they're not unusual. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what's important is that. Um, and so maybe we'll, th- this is a, yeah. a, a good topic is, domain expertise, understanding um, enough to be able to guide the user. When you get requests for something that you can really achieve with native functionality, but you don't know it because you don't know native functionality. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you're, <laughs> you know, you're, you're writing code, you're building, um, you know, these monstrosities because it's the blind leading the blind. You don't know any better. Yeah. Um, right. So uh, how does that factor in? How do you really determine someone's experience and knowledge of the platform? I know that some platforms like Magento, you might, um, mm-hmm. you know, take exams in order to be have some certifications. That's not, um, you know, all by itself, uh, yeah. you know, a, a pure description of someone's right. knowledge and, you know, and, and uh, expertise, but at least it's, it's a, a good signifier that th- they were able to go to a testing center and close book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, know, exactly. For sure. Answer some That's... questions and, and have at least some understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so, I mean, I can kind of get at your question there too. And it's um, so, so number one, uh, the very like for, for Codable specifically, like we're WordPress only, like that's only like, sure. We do kind of do some Shopify or some Magento stuff on the side, but Codable is the only WordPress exclusive freelancer platform. And so the second half of that, that we pre-vet our experts is kind of the meat and potatoes, what we're talking about here. And so um, that, that is everything. And Honestly, to when Codable first started, it was kind of just our our CEO kind of looking at resumes and kind of doing research and kind of like green lighting people. And honestly, that's how I got into Codable. He, you know, looked at my application and was like, "Yeah, this guy looks legit." You know, I had a beautiful website. You know, my application was strong for sure. But that was kind of the old way. And so now, like, we've shifted into a community-driven vetting process. So the current experts, we call them experts, but developers Mm -hmm. are the ones vetting the new experts coming in or or playing a large role in that process. And so um, it's something we've developed over time. And it's 
resulted in that the newer experts are even, you know, better and better behaved and everything than some of the older ones that have, you know, they're still awesome. And they've kind of stood the test of time on our platform, which is kind of a test of its own. But, um, but so yeah, that that vetting process is really everything. And so, and luckily, we're able to get, you know, specific on it. We're press specific. And so um, you can go to, you know, codable.io, our site, and kind of view our vetting process. It's right on our homepage. But I'll mm-hmm. just like kind of briefly kind of walk through it um, just to kind of get at the different aspects of ensuring that this person can deliver on our quality promise that we have. And so um, the first kind of step is that um, people go to our site and they apply to become an expert. And so there's a short application you fill out. Um, and those applications, we get so many of them. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, and the funny part of that is, is that I think it's like something like 90% of them or 60 to 90% kind of just get thrown out right away. And that's due to our English language requirement. Um, we are a global workforce and we have many bilingual or trilingual uh, developers working for us, but we do operate in English. And so um, most all those applications kind of get thrown out right off the bat. And so if you do submit a good application with strong English, um, then you get, uh, basically, we keep a fine balance of supply and demand. So if you're in the category of developer that we need, um, you'll get moved into uh, a test project. So for WordPress, we basically have implementers or programmers. So, you know, an implementer would be something like take this theme and implement this design in it and, you know, make it match my business. A programmer would be, you know, take this plugin and add this functionality or create this custom plugin or something kind of more back-end-ish. And so, um, so if you're going to do a front-end test, we basically just give you a, a one-page PSD and say, develop it with your favorite, uh, whether it's a page builder or from scratch or however you do it. Um, and then if it's a, a back-end person, it's a plug-in project. So for WooCommerce, uh, you know, make the checkout have this specific functionality, do this and that um, when they install this plugin. And so we give the applicants one week to complete that task. It should only take a few hours, but you know, many of them spend much longer on it. Um, and so once they kick that project back to us on time, then we send it to our expert vetting review team. And so our current experts are paid to review those test projects. So they look at everything, you know, the code, the communication, the, the everything. And so if they pass that test project, then they are given an interview um, with our with our basically our support staff. There's two people that get on the interview. And during the interview, they're asked a series of questions related to customer service. So how would you handle it if, you know, mm. this particular situation arrives, you know, say a you you're, you're have four projects open and then you get sick and then two of them are due and that's causing delays on the other ones. What would you do? You know, kind of just see if they're thinking in the right way in terms of customer service. Um, the other side of the, the question is going to be for live coding, which we also do. Um, but it's not the typical live coding. Like we believe developers are resourceful people and like they... You know, we don't expect you to be able to just pull up code and solve a problem right off the bat. Like most developers like Google and they use resources and like find solutions that way. So it's more questions like, you know, how would you do this the WordPress way? You know, certain things, um, you know, what are actions? What are filters? Like speak, you know, how would you describe that to a client? Those types of things where it's like WordPress specific stuff. And so um, after... They complete the interview, then uh, they basically have to get thumbs up um, from our from the two people on that call, and then uh, they they get an interview with our CEO as well. 
um, who kind of gives him some tips. So he's, uh, Paris actually interviewed all 500 of our developers at least wow. once um, and has a personal connection and kind of enables them to be successful. And so um, once you kind of pass all that, you're on a 45-day trial with us. And if after 45 days, we have enough data to prove that you can deliver on our quality promise, then you get your certificate. And then it's kind of, you know, continuous monitoring from there. Our community kind of self-polices itself. So it's kind of, you know, other experts are helping others and and that sort of thing. So that's the really condensed version of how we kind of vet people. But, um, but yeah, but that all makes sense that you have to be an expert yourself to be able to tell if <laughs> if someone yeah. else has the chops to get the job done. Yeah, um, there has to be some sort of trial by fire, because otherwise, you know, people can, you know, talk a big game, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not unusual. Uh, and we've you've seen, seen the it. Worst. I've seen it. Yeah. 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 We've seen, we've seen even like, uh, we'll get people submit their test projects and then you get on the live coding and you can just tell it's a totally different person who did the, like they outsourced their project, you know, and we're just like, yeah. this is all about trust and you're breaking it right off the bat. And so we've seen the craziest things like that. Absolutely. And, I've yeah. seen people that use items in their portfolio that, you know, they may have yeah. done a little bit of work on, but the body of work wasn't theirs. They didn't build, they didn't design yeah. the site, build the site. Um, you know, they... <laughs> and that's where those, that stuff gets deceiving on, you know, other platforms that aren't really checking this stuff. And, and we've been like, our experts have been accused of that stuff before too. And, you know, it's just like, but it's, that's, that's our job is to make sure that, you know, you can trust this person. It's all about trust on, yeah. on coding. Well, and coding is language. And so that's also for people that have never written code, and don't have enough uh, familiarity, uh, particularly, you know, we can't all be expert developers. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I certainly don't consider myself one, um, <laughs> you know. So. I'm rusty too. Yeah, before we had the the expert vetting team, I was working support at that point. So I was actually uh, reviewing these test projects. And I'm more of like, a, I'm a good troubleshooter and stuff, kind of more of a front-end guy, but then a, a back-end, you know, plug-in functionality project would come through and I'd review it and I'd be like, yeah, well, it works. And, you know, I see some standards in the code. And and that's when we, we like raised the issue, like, yo, we need to have, you know, the the experts on the platform vetting these this code and because yeah. they're not going to let anyone in that's not up to, to their yeah. quality or above so because you solve that one there are all sorts of things that you run into where people don't follow any you know coding standards that basically mm-hmm. no best practice thinking of it <laughs> like yeah, writing english that the grammar is awful the punctuations over there's all sorts of run-ons and things and in code these things can slow down the site it can make it a lot harder to diagnose issues because Sometimes you, you wind up with what I, folks like to call spaghetti code. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just a mishmash of code. Some of it doesn't go anywhere. It's just like yeah. someone started a few sentences that they never finished. Yeah, uh, you're gonna, and you can get that code for super cheap. That spaghetti code, yes, <laughs> but it's going to cost yeah. you way more down the line. Trust me, like the, we hear and yeah, that's all the, the time. That's spaghetti <laughs> code. It's the blue plate special. This yeah. That, uh, yeah. Here, yeah, yeah, it's on special Cyber Monday or something. Yeah, yeah. You don't even need to bring a coupon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just and and like a good like uh, kind of segue for that. I I guess is like, yeah, like the code is like, you know, you need to make sure that this person knows what they're doing is following some sort of standard. Like it doesn't have to be WordPress standard or whatever, just like something standardized. And, and, and the thing is that 
out of, I mean, we've done 65,000 completed projects, 98.9%, five out of five stars, like quality is what we do. And we have upheld that reputation for seven years now, and it hasn't dipped a bit. And the problems that we see completing over 2000 projects a month currently, you know, usually only like one or like two or three problems actually arise every month, like somehow, but they're never to do with the code. Actually, it's never the code. It's always the communication, the expectation management, the, you know, some sort of other life event happen that's impacting things, um, which is just so interesting because, yeah, everyone's always like, oh, good code. Like, and it's like, well, yeah, like, that's actually the easier thing to control. It's the behavior <laughs> and everything that kind of we're working like constantly because because Codable is a unique place and, and freelancers in general, kind of more the topic of this, like, uh, you're working directly with the client. You know, this isn't necessarily an agency that has a project manager and a account manager, like in between the developer and the actual client who probably has multiple people on their side as well. And so, yeah, we have this really weird dynamic where we literally put a, a backend developer straight up talking to a, you know, business owner and they speak two very different languages, but mm. somehow like it works through these like pillars and guidelines well, that we've kind of established. Yeah. Sometimes layers of people, it adds expense, it adds time, and Good point. Yeah. sometimes things get lost in yeah. communication. So there are times where I, I know, again, yeah, you know, exactly. leaning back toward my agency experience, that there were absolutely times when I didn't want to take a call without the developer that was working yeah. on the particular project or code or what have you in the room. Game because, telephone. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, otherwise, um, you know, I, I didn't want to risk something in particular that was very specific being lost in translation. And I like to think that I have a very good grasp of understanding right, yeah. uh, user stories and, you know, what someone's trying to achieve and being able to translate that. But there are those times when, um, you know, you, you really want to measure twice and, and cut once and you don't want to play mm -hmm. telephone. Um, yeah. So th there are all <laughs> yeah, sorts of things. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause I'm always, I'm always kind of presenting that one on the frame of like, yeah, it's crazy how a developer and a client can just work so well together. But yeah, it's actually the positive side of it is like, there's nothing lost in translation there. It's all, well, it's all one to one. And if know? they were in house developers for that business, if it was a larger business that, you know, that, that went that route and took on all right. that expense themselves, uh, you'd see something similar that they'd be interacting with, with coworkers from different departments and things getting mm -hmm. feedback and what have you. So it, it, it meshes. Um, now these developers, because they are freelancers, I imagine this might be a full-time gig for some of them. And for others, they have other gigs or they have maybe a part-time or full-time job. And so they work odd hours. Is that, Accurate. Uh, that's exactly right, more or less. Um, and so some work full time and are making very good money on Codable. And they've kind of just, you know, set personal goals for themselves, whatever it is, $300 a day that they need to make. And, and so they can kind of take on projects as they need to. Others, you know, fill the gaps. They have maybe a couple big clients and then they just, you know, get to, they all the developers get to pick and choose the projects that they want to work on Codable. So that's really nice for them because they can mm. kind of fill the gaps accordingly. Um, and then, yeah, others do have full-time jobs and do this strictly as moonlighting. But again, they're only taking uh, projects that they know they can complete to the client's requirements with the top quality. So um, yeah, we have... Yeah, it's it's nuts. And so we pay like the... 
all of our developers are making uh, a recommended pricing is 70 to 120 US dollars per hour. And that's global. And so there's other, um, you know, platforms out there. TopTel is another big one. Um, and they do, of course, more than WordPress. They do everything from, yeah, business. Uh, yeah, they kind of cover the whole spectrum there. But the we have developers who work on TopTel and Codable. And the thing about TopTel is they kind of dictate your projects, they dictate how much money you make based on where you're from. And so that's something that we kind of don't believe in is, is we think that it doesn't matter where you're from. You should, if you can deliver great code, you deserve to make as much as someone, you know, in America versus whether, whatever, Pakistan or wherever it is. And so um, kind of a, like, and even that's kind of a, another tangent, but a, just a quick story well, but, there. But that, that is back toward the free market that if these yeah, people are yeah. in this kind of demand, um, if you're dealing with high quality, mm-hmm. um, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter where someone is that, um, as much as these people are, are, you know, real people and, um, you know, and very, and I don't want to take away any of the humanity from it, but in the commodity sense of a marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, there's supply and demand. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that, that absolutely makes sense. And if you aren't compensating, uh, you know, some of these top experts in the field, well, they're going to find other homes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, yeah. You have exactly. to incentivize to, to some extent, maybe the money goes further some places than others. But, mm-hmm. um, you yeah. know, with that in mind, at those sorts of rates, 70 to 120 an hour, do you find that there are some agencies that figure out reselling some of, uh, some of the, the codable? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's like our, our kind of recommended rates. And so definitely never less than 70 an hour, but definitely some of our experts, they do kind of get relationships with clients. And then if complexity and urgency start to come into a play, they start to charge above 120 an hour, but the client's already, you know, expecting that and okay with it. Um, as far as agencies, like, yes, like that is like the unspoken, like secret to codable is that agencies that have figured that out and are embracing it because that's exactly the case. Like an agency can literally have an awesome client or have a new client approaching them and then come to Codable, get an estimate for that work or part of that work, if maybe they don't have that person available on their agency team currently, uh, go mark it up, that estimate that they get on Codable, go to the client for approval. Uh, once it's approved, come back and hire Codable and still manage the client and have our experts working amongst their team. Kind of, so it's this crazy thing because yeah, our rates you know are kind of in the middle, more than low quality outsourcing where you have a whole other set of costs down the road, and then less than say yeah agency work we charge way higher than 120 an hour, and so. Um, yeah, we do see, we don't have like an agency program yet. It could come in the future, but that's exactly what's already happening. And that's a big segment of our uh, customers. And even like in, you know, in the WordPress space, there's a thing called WordPress VIP, which is like running some of the top brands in the nation right now. And um, a lot of those agencies are even outsourcing through us or those clients are outsourcing through us, which is just like rigorous coding standards. So, you know, rates on that stuff kind of get get bumped up as well. For that makes complexity. sense. When you're working with larger enterprises and such, and economies yeah. of scale. Yeah, so th- yeah. those rates can, can be absorbed reasonably. Whereas, you know, if you're building, if an agency is building a site for a local, uh, you know, small business, maybe a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that question too, because it's it's agencies. I ran one for three years or just used to run one as well. And it's mm-hmm. you hit that problem where you're like, hey, we're at capacity, but this job rolled in and we'd really like to get that relationship with the client. So what do you do? You know, you can't hire someone internally real quick. You have to look at freelancers That's pretty right. much if you want that. And so whether it's availability and, uh, or skill, skill-wise as well. So, and having come from more the full service agency, uh, we may not have made a huge profit on launching that, eco- that you know, that initial website, but right. it was a lifetime value, um, mm-hmm. and that included for digital marketing, which could have been a lot yeah. more money in the long run um, over the years than maybe that that initial website build. So exactly. You know, so there there are uh, concerns there about you know which jobs you take, which you turn away. But the last thing you want to do is take a job that you're not going to excel with because. It's that's going to wind up costing you more yeah, <laughs> one yeah, way or exactly. another, um, yeah. whether it's in, in, in sleep and hair and <laughs> um, the true cost. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, there's a, well, <laughs> because you know, your reputation is, is everything in the service industry. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that that's a lesson that I think anyone that's been in the service industry uh, usually there's a bit of a school of hard knocks. We all yep. have experiences. Yep. And even when we think we've got a down pat, we get some other experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It certainly is, uh, you know, something that you have to be vigilant about. Um, and so we talked a little bit about front end and, and back end developers and folks that specialize more in e-com, like with WooCommerce, and that you your team might dabble in some other platforms. Uh, or I, you know, I say the team, the, the marketplace, really. You know, toward mm-hmm. platforms like Magento. But um, do you have other categories outside of that? So I imagine people building these sites need designers, maybe folks that deal with with I don't know, perhaps marketing or analytics or other things. Where do you draw the line on your categories of of experts? Yeah, no, good question. I think thanks for asking. And 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 we so we say you know anything WordPress, but that's pretty broad. And so um, and and again, like all of our experts come from a wide variety of technical backgrounds. And and so the kind of that's just kind of where we market ourselves. Like there's enough big piece of the pie within WordPress, you know, 30% of the web, 60% of CMSs are running on WordPress. So so we're happy there. And that's kind of where we specialize. Um, But we do end up taking on a lot of other kind of work just, you know, hey, by the way, can you help with my Shopify site? In terms of other areas, um, you know, Codable is not a design-focused platform, but we do take on design work. We have uh, d- developers who are also designers. I mean, myself, like I, I'm a self-taught developer, but I have a degree in graphic design, and so I want I wanted to build sites that looked beautiful too. And so we have a lot of those. We also have. 25 agencies that have actually grown out of Codable. So they've been, you know, started as individuals years ago and kind of grown slowly. And so now we have, yeah, 25 teams actually working with us who have designers on those teams. And so um, also some of our experts just work closely with designers. So although we're not a design focused platform, we do have the ability to deliver on design work. And it's it's fairly common that we we do that as well. We also do, yeah, SEO work. Um, uh, kind of sysadmin stuff, you know, a big one is like site speed optimization, how important that is these days. We have some yeah. brilliant people with that who are mm-hmm. kind of, um, you know, recommended by by some people who are authoritative in that field and everything. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty wide reaching and it's some of the, yeah, it's, it, and then it goes on to the other side of the spectrum too, like data entry, you know, like some people <laughs> will pay our rents 
our rates for data entry because just because they trust the developer they've been working with or whatever it is. And our developers will be like, you know, you could probably hire somebody a lot cheaper. Yeah, you could get a temp, like, right? But yeah. you know, at some point, um, yeah. I, I think people often see it as finite. Yeah. And so yeah. they'd rather um, not invest time into finding someone that they can be comfortable mm-hmm. with. And uh, like you say, once they're the relationship, um, the relationships yeah. there. They see it as a one-time thing, and so let's let's get it done. Yeah, um, and they'll, they'll absorb some of that. And yep. so, uh, do these um, do these folks often work together in more of a you know, let's say it's for a, a larger build of maybe a WooCommerce site? Mm-hmm. Can one expert really do it all, or or do you need to pull in different? Because often there are people with different expertise. I like to think of it like you know, left side of the brain, right side of the brain, there are people that focus more on. uh, Now, you know, it sounds like Raleigh, (laughs) you've got um, more of that Renaissance man feel that that you have that graphic design background, but but you've excelled with with different coding. And even folks that are more UI UX when it comes to coding front end, HTML, Mm -hmm. CSS, JavaScript, and and folks that are more, you know, back end dealing with APIs and PHP, um, do you find it it can sometimes take uh, some sort of a grouping? How does that? Yeah, yeah, no, good question. And it, it's honestly something we want to encourage more within our community. It's already happening, but we would definitely want to um, encourage our developers to work together more on projects. And so if it's, a, you know, we do do a lot of large WooCommerce builds and stuff like that. And so we have kind of, you know, that's kind of gets into some of the more of the agencies that are working for us tend to take those on when it is kind of multifaceted like that. Um, but we absolutely do have, you know, individual experts who, who are like, man, I just need you know, someone with this skill set, would you want to work together on this? And so they do, you know, tricky things through our platform just to make it work because we haven't really kind of built the platform in that way to enable that, but it's kind of on the radar. But so they'll like one will kind of lead the project and then they'll pay out the other one or whatever that's helping on it and be, you know, transparent about that the whole time with the client or whatever. But it's just, you know, they'll have that one workroom or they can share logins or whatever it is. But yeah, that's an awesome way that we've seen like when it comes together, it's like a beautiful thing. And we're just like, because all of our experts are friends. That's the craziest part too that like should be noted is like yeah. any other community, like, like Upwork or anything, like there's no... Uh, there's no real like community behind them. Like nothing, I, like even our, our experts are on those other platforms. And when they get to Codable, like there's nothing else like this because like before I was sitting in a room coding alone and I was like, what do I do if I'm lonely or have a question or anything, you know? And and once they get on Codable, suddenly we have this thriving Slack channel where reputation's everything, like you said. And so if they hit a, hit a wall on anything, they go there and they ask and every single expert's motivated to help them because if, you know, if something happens and the Codable reputation is that in jeopardy, like that hurts everybody, you know? And so everybody's fighting this fight together to deliver on our quality promise. And so, um, so yeah, so that's something like we see kind of happening. And then like, just to speak, like as a disclaimer for myself, like, uh, I, I hate doing design work for clients. Like it was, yeah. it's purely, <laughs> it's purely, uh, cause you know how it goes, but it's, I, I, I purely like it. It's helped me having a design degree in my career. Yeah, like, but you're, you're telling me that when a client asks you to add rainbows and unicorns to your <laughs> exactly. really sleek design, that, that, 
that yeah. you don't enjoy that part? <laughs> no, yeah. It's like, that's all that ever happened. So I designed for myself. Like, yeah, I've built, a, I've converted a, a van that I travel in, designed and built the whole thing. And so design is for my own projects. It's helped me, you know, have an eye for detail and stuff on development projects. But no, I can't stand it. Like when the client has their opinion and, and I'm like, but you're wrong. And <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just like, yeah. A so true I was artist. Of that. Yeah, exactly. Well, well that, that's sort of, you know, that there are those that, um, that create design commercially, and there are those that, that design out of their passion for it. Yeah, and those exactly. are two different things, really. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. good that you at least have identified I've, yeah, the right path for, for yourself. Yeah. I'm not um, the one for client design work, no way. Yeah, and, and I suppose <laughs> that you know, being able to pull people together is a differentiator. Um, and in general, if you were vetting freelancers back to sort of the, our, our theme for the day. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's a challenge is that the likelihood that you're really going to get that renaissance woman or renaissance man, that (laughs) jack of all trades that is the master of all and not none um, is difficult. Um, It really is that if you're expecting one person, one freelancer to do it all, uh, you know, it's like trying to bring an attempt to run your business. It's uh, it's possible that that'll work out. (laughs) But on average, um, there are going to be some challenges along the way. Um, yeah. and, and so speaking of the, the community, do you, I know you and I got to meet at a, um, at a big commerce partner summit. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we partnered nice up with, with big commerce yep. earlier this year around their headless commerce offerings and, you know, knowing yeah. that we could help those writing custom apps for big commerce the same way that, um, that we could for others writing apps for other SaaS solutions and, and things. But, um, you know, certainly some, some interesting growth. Uh, in, yeah, I in love what Big Commerce is doing. Yeah. yeah, I was so impressed at that event with everything they're doing. And I'm just like, I was kind of, it was kind of my intro to, to the Big Commerce for WordPress side of things. And, and I was kind of just like, wow, everything I heard is true. And I really like the direction and how, yeah, everything they've, I could go kind of go on and on about that. But, um, yeah, but, but yeah. that their concept of open SaaS of, giving yeah. you trying it, at least, you know, I, I'd say that the, these are newer concepts to the, the larger market. Um, but the idea that you could use WordPress or Drupal or some other front end that you have more manifest destiny with, with a, uh, a big commerce back end mm-hmm. is, is a really interesting concept. Um, we're seeing similar things happen with Magento where, you know, you've got GraphQL and you yep. can, there's a PWA studio that's still pretty early, but, um, there's other, you know, PWA front end, uh, mm-hmm. you know, solutions that, that are uh, being made available as well. And so the, the decoupling of the user experience um, from, you know, some of the, the back end database and functionality and such, it's, yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, we're, we're seeing it. We're seeing it huge. Like, I mean, that's almost kind of a buzzword, the whole like GraphQL, like you said, or, or you know, headless or, um, you know, Gatsby.js is, is kind mm. of the whole uh, WordPress side of that thing. And it's like, uh, and it's, it's like, yeah, it's huge. And it's actually beautiful what you can do. And it's, you know, I went to one of the talks at that, that big commerce partner summit. And, it, you know, they're talking about how for some online businesses, like, uh, yeah, sure. The e-commerce side is is great and well, but like, what's driving all of that is content, you know. And and for a lot of people, like WordPress is the is the tool for managing content and whatnot. So they want to be able to have the best of both worlds. And so, um, yeah, whether whether you you know have a big existing Magento store or enjoy using that, or or you want to you know, big commerce has that low entry price point, which is amazing how they're able to offer their platform at that rate, but. 
um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of just yeah, kinda, you know, a, a different audiences, different um, you know, very different products at the end of the day, different ways of calculating uh, total cost of ownership and and looking at at that. But yeah, when, when you're really looking at um, at e-commerce as one of your uh, strong sales channels, there are some some unique options, and you know, WooCommerce, you know, coming full circle there has had some interesting growth as well that, you know, they got acquired by Automatic. Automatic recently took in uh, some major investment, actually, from what yeah. I'd consider an e-commerce competitor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, right. <laughs> so a, a lot of interesting things going on in, in the market. Um, but the, WooCommerce continues to evolve and grow. And so, um, yeah. you know, I think open source continues to have some, some really strong Yeah, it's, I mean... Like, yeah, and, and sorry to cut you off, the the WooCommerce is the elephant in the room, obviously, with, you know, the market share and stuff like that. But by no means is it the best solution for every application that's, you know, required for an e-commerce implementation. And so that's our whole thing. Like, um, whether it's like WooCommerce or it, like, we're not exclusive to WooCommerce just because we focus on WordPress. Like, mm-hmm. no, just like I just said, that you can use a different e-commerce platform and still use WordPress for whatever right. you want. Look, uh, a high it's percentage a- of the Magento sites that we host have a WordPress blog somewhere yeah, right. along the line. And in some cases, there's a lot of traffic. It's a, a, a very important part of the site. Mm-hmm. So the, the way that these things become intertwined for a business yeah. is certainly interesting. And so the majority of, of your... Um, of your experts uh, are in the WordPress field. Do you get to, uh, do they gather at any point or, you know, do you wind up, uh, you know, seeing them get together at different <laughs> word camps and, and events? How does that community happen? I, it actually, it, totally it actually like, yeah. And it actually just like, uh, not to be too whatever emotional about it, but you actually just like kind of gave me goosebumps when you asked that question because it like it literally strikes a chord with me because you can tell I'm an advocate, I'm an evangelist for Codable, but literally this company has like changed my life when I woke up that one day and was like, wow, look at all this work, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that, and and then here I am now five years later with the company and so in a completely different role on the other side of things, but it's so special the community I can't begin to even like tell you like or describe it with words. But yeah, we do get to get together and um, it's awesome. And so what that kind of looks like, the big thing that we've done every year is is WordPress has the big national or the kind of international conferences. They do WordCamp US and then they do WordCamp Europe. And so I'm super fortunate that Codable has uh, flown me and paid my entire way to Europe probably four or five times now, I forget. Um, So I got to hit the WordCamp Europe in Paris first and then I did Belgrade Serbia and then uh, Berlin Germany was this uh, this most recent one and at this um, it and we also do the US ones but Codable kind of started as a European company um, and then we ended up with more customers in the US and now there's kind of a good balance of supply and demand of customers and developers on either side of the world there but um, yeah this last one in Berlin I mean you know you go all the way back to Austria we had about 50 developers show up there out of our 500 there's probably only like 250 of them then or 200 um and then and then yeah with the next one there's you know 60 and then the next one there's 80 and then in Berlin this last summer um which I was so excited to just get to go to Berlin and it's always somewhere I wanted to visit but um we always hold the expert dinner party at these and um, we rented this whole entire restaurant as on the river. 
invited all our experts and a few kind of friends at Codable and had a big, you know, open bar, open food, open everything, dinner party there in the night and photographers and everything. And we had 115 of our experts actually show up. And that was like the biggest gathering at Codable. Wow. Um, and it was a lot of people in quite the bar tab too. But uh, yeah, I think because we were in Belgrade, that's kind of a funny story, but real short one that the year before we were in Belgrade, Serbia, and we did the same thing for about 75 experts. And Serbia is a little bit cheaper than Germany. And so oh, yeah. you know, our CEO walks out after he shuts the bar down. He's like, I love Serbia because it was so affordable, you know, and then you know, after this one in Berlin, we're like, okay, we have some new guidelines for these events. That have to- <laughs> <laughs> Everyone gets one drink ticket. Yeah, so well, drinks only. I think right? he bought like 200 shots of tequila that were floating around at any time. Oh, so boy. Guy. And so, yeah, I won't say the number, but it was too large. And, but it, I mean, if it, like, that's the best part of every year, I look forward to that trip to Europe because Europe just does it so right. Yeah. <laughs> we're working on getting our U S crew to, to that level. But, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's so special. We're all hugging there. We're all like, Oh, no way. I finally met you, you know? And it's like, well, it's crazy. It's like a brother from another mother or whatever. It, it reminds me. So whenever I go back to Magento Imagine, which yeah. it's going to be an interesting year because now it's at Adobe Summit. Um, and oh, okay. so we, we're waiting to see um, exactly how that uh, impacts or, or not uh, the event yeah, overall. But right. for me, I've been going for years and years and it's like going back to summer camp and you see yeah. your friends and people that you interact with. Now, look, I, I get to other events in the Magento world, you know, events like uh, Meet Magento New York, Mage X, different meetups. Uh, yeah. You know, so I, it's not that yeah. I don't travel around and, you know, individually, uh, you know, get to see people for meetings uh, in different cities at their offices or at, at, you know, various events and other things. But yeah, it, it's, uh, it's nice with jet rails. We typically, uh, for, for years, we've been hosting something around IRCE, the internet retailer conference that happens mm-hmm. in Chicago where we're headquartered. Um, this year we, uh, rented out, um, uh, a beautiful space, uh, nearby, um, and, and we had a, a bourbon barbecue. <laughs> yeah, awesome. um, and so it was a, a, a lot of fun, you know, just it's a good chance to interact because keeping in mind that these are people that we work with um, as partners, clients um, in other capacities throughout the year and that we don't always get FaceTime with. We don't always yeah. get um, to hear from as directly, see as directly yeah. um, as much as as a company, as we're constantly in communication by phone and, and ticket and email and what have you. And so it's, yeah. it's just a, uh, you know, a, a blessing to be able to bring people together, get them collaborating, get them connected, um, do some great things. Um, yeah. Hey, you look nothing like your photo online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the most common one. But uh, yeah, it's so special when you get kind of the big one every year. It's like, yeah, you get to do the little ones. And we have even, um, you know, one of our just a small story on that one. Like we have uh, uh, developers who try to make it to these events, but they're from countries that can't get a visa or whatever, you know, the reason maybe the countries don't get along. Um, and we had one expert in particular, I won't say his name, but he's from Pakistan. And we have a couple over in Pakistan and they, I actually was on the vetting team. So I was on the phone call and I was excited for this one. I was like, man, he's got a great portfolio site. His test project is just perfect. Everything's great. And then we get on the phone call and he's just so nervous and he can just barely even speak. And he's just so nervous. And like, uh, 
uh, you know, he, he kind of like he's answering the questions, but more or less kind of tanking the interview on the kind of communication side of things. But get off the phone and I, you know, call up my colleague and we're like, we always have to, you know, have debrief on it. And we're like, how do you think you did? Well, you know, this or that, but let's give him a chance. You know, like everything's good. There's no reason his written stuff was perfect and everything. Um, and so, yeah, he becomes an expert on Codable and literally just is one of our best experts in no time. I mean, I trust them all. They're all great, but certain ones rise above. And anyway, he, he's, he just proved us so right that we took that chance and, and we were right about it. And then, so he, he was able to make it to Berlin and like to meet him in person for the first time was just like, no way, you know, like I couldn't believe it. And it was just like, and he's like, no, like Raleigh, like my family, we pray for you and Codable like every night at the dinner table. We, we literally built a whole house for my whole family off of the money I've made. And I'm like, no, you did that for yourself. You know, like I was just like you, like I became an expert and, you know, it changed my life too. And and so he's just like, he's like, no, but thank you. And I'm like, dude, you did it. All I did was just like, say good job, you know? And so I don't know. It's stuff like that, that like, like yeah. literally almost chokes me up. Like, and it's just like, wow. You know, if we don't all make room for next generations of people, we're not doing anyone a, a yeah. service. And, you know, for a lot of us, some of life is being in the right time at the right place. There is an amount of luck mm -hmm. to all of yeah. this that, um, that we hit those crescendos that we, yeah. um, you know, that, that we, uh, were able to get into something at the right moment when we can, you know, strike it, uh, yeah. and do what we need to, to do to be successful. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, <laughs> a lot of the times we don't talk as much about our failures yeah. um, and the things that we tried that didn't work out as well. And, Mm -hmm. Um, there's no shortage of those in life. So, nope. um, you know, I did want to ask what, um, you know, these customers are coming, they're building relationships just like you and I, you know, do with, with experts like this. Mm -hmm. How often are, are folks coming back? You know, would you say that, uh, you know, a high percentage of, of your Codable customers that they're returning for these developers, and how does that affect the availability? You know, do they sometimes have a hard time getting the, the developer that they want because you know they want to go with who they worked with last time or who they have yeah. history with? It's funny. It's 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 a funny dynamic, right? Because a client comes back, oh, I'd love to work with you again, but the story isn't always the same on the other side of the fence, right? <laughs> the developer's like, that was a nightmare to deliver, you know, for that person. Like, yeah, they were happy at the end of it, but man, I was put through the ringer. And so, because our developers always want to deliver with that quality, so sometimes they jump through some extra hoops. And so, when that's not the case, though. Um, yeah, we Codable has a retention problem, a good one. It's uh, like we're the whole drug dealer thing, like give them a taste and they're <laughs> going to come back for more. You know, it's like kind of let make it easy on a small little one. And then, yeah, they're coming back because they're going to well, never had a developer like, you know, ask, get the scope clear enough, uh, get to work, do the work properly, thinking of things they never thought of and then deliver and make sure everything's OK and stand behind it and do all that fast and with quality. They're like, wow, that was that was amazing. I never thought that was possible. And so. So we actually see, I think it's over 60% of our new clients return with more work. And uh, yeah, that's usually what happens is like uh, they'll, they'll establish a relationship with the developer and the developer, uh, it's mutual. And so they can set up, you know, private tasks to only post for that developer only. And so we see a lot of that and, and that's like, that's driving our growth for sure. And so that's, 
Um, so we're after, you know, kind of like new paying clients and keep feeding the sharks kind of is a, is a rough yeah. way to put it. But, uh, um, yeah, cause they get busy, they get tied up. They start, you know, they don't suddenly our developers don't have to look for projects on Codable anymore. They just have returning clients. And so for me as it's, but all developers are different. Like when I was a developer on there for a year, I completed like 108 projects and they were probably for 108 clients. And that's, mm-hmm. and they hired me in because I, I never had any problems, all five stars, no refunds, like, and my communication is kind of my strong point. And so, um, so I just didn't like return. I, I like the chase. Like I like getting that new one. And like, it's like, I like that part of it. And kind of, you can charge more when you're like, yeah, you just lead them down a golden pathway and like, and they're still satisfied at the end of it. And um, I don't know, the returning clients for me just get a little bit, uh, yeah, they get like dependent and I don't know. It's just like, yeah. I'm like, ah, like, it's just a weird thing about well, me. Yeah, I definitely encourage our developers to build relationships and everything. Back to but, expectations. They were yeah. happy. And so they're hoping or expecting that you're going to be available when they need it, yeah. how they need it. Um, yeah. it it's, it's their Which dynamics, like, you know I mean? <laughs> and there, there are exceptions to every rule and there are, yeah. you know, the, uh, different people, different relationships, but, um, yeah, it's a thing. Um, it was always easy for me to toss them off, though. Like, hey, I'm not, you know, tell a little white lie. Like, I've got a few other prior obligations, but hey, we have 400 other people who can help you and go to him or him or her or them or whatever. And so, um, yeah, it's it's a thing. And so, yeah, we're constantly, I think last month we added 25 new developers through our vetting process just because of that growth. And so, um, yeah, it's we're, we're constantly adding new developers yeah. to kind of fill uh, that. Have you noticed any... Um, any seasonality or ebb and flow in demand? Is it, you know, that maybe, you know, certain times of the year that there's just high demand or yeah. um, like when budgets yeah. come in in the beginning of the new year or the, totally the end of the old that. year when people are trying to use up what budgets are yeah. left or, or, yeah. or, or maybe, you know, leading into the holiday shopping season, people need things, you know, ready, especially if they're in, in e-commerce. Yep. All that, everything you just said, we align with everyone I've talked to in terms of the seasonality that they see as well. And so, and then the only one that wasn't mentioned there was actually summer. We do see a dip in summer as well in terms of Hmm. uh, demand. And so we're at, we're, we are a supply and demand headquarters. Like that is like, not a lot of people realize that's how we operate. That's like how we keep those bidding races out. Like we, if you post a project, you don't get 50 people, you get anywhere from one to three, no more than five. And so that's because if you don't, get that project or there's another developer already commenting it up like there's going to be another one rolling in in a minute that you can take anyway so it's like we keep a crate we have like this yeah looker big query over to looker data warehouse that like processes every night and so it's just in the last year we've kind of become buzzword data driven and (laughs) and so uh it's it's awesome kind of like some of the big data and cohorts that we get to look at with that stuff but yeah there's definitely seasonality um we're coming out of um, summer into winter, there's new end of the year budgets, like you said, and then we're excited for kind of that start of the new year budgets. That's always a good one. January is usually a, a big month for us. So, awesome. and, you know, I, I would say that, you know, for, for those listening that, um, that that's one of the challenges with generally with freelancing, uh, employees or, you know, or vendors, uh, however you want to look at it, mm-hmm. but, um, that their availability <laughs> isn't yeah. always, uh, complete and so so you do have to have a plan b or c um, yeah so it's not like codable ha- has people covered because you keep bringing on more 
developers and, and you find mm-hmm. ways to handle uh, demand. Always have availability. Yep. Yeah. There's nothing worse than someone that, you you know, you push them to take on the job, but they don't really have the time. <laughs> and you, yeah. you know, then it never leads anywhere good. Yeah. Um, nope. And we do, we, we, we do like a, not like push them, but we do like a lot of promotion. So we get a lot of jobs that, you know, we, we have to turn down a lot of people too. We will still convert better than any agency or individual you send to you because mm-hmm. of our wide supply and availability. But we do turn a lot of people back who you just can't get their requirements clear enough to responsibly provide them an estimate. So they go back to the drawing board or, you know, maybe get them a a rough ballpark and they're like, whoa, that's way more than I thought. Or, you know, I need to refine my requirements. So we do, you know, turn people down or they're just not qualified yet for an estimate. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah, that's, that's, that's a thing. Um, But we all, we cover that kind of supply and demand really closely and really well. And have you noticed at any point um, new services that uh, that start to creep up? Like um, I know we talked about loading speed optimization a bit. You know something mm-hmm. near and dear to us in web hosting, but uh, ADA compliance I know you know comes through different news yeah. cycles, and um, <laughs> you know certainly I, I'm certainly very important to lots of people. Um, you know, and so yeah. not something to be taken lightly, but. Uh, <laughs> But it's cyclical in some ways, um, yeah. You know, and, and how those things creep up. Do you uh, in demand? Do you notice yeah. um, some of that happening because your aggregators, in essence, of of this data <laughs> that you know you, you know what people are asking for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of uh, demand generation almost, and it's uh, we. We see all the ones you mentioned. Speed is a huge one for us right now. It's just, yeah, everyone's crazy about speed and rightfully so. But um, And then ADA compliance, we're seeing some of that stuff um, as well. Uh, but it's really driven based on uh, that stuff, but also our partnerships. Like uh, Codable's built on partnerships. Uh, very first one was Woo Themes before they were purchased by Automatic and the whole WooCommerce thing happened eight years ago. And they're still our biggest partner. And so, But some wow. of our other partners are, yeah, hosting companies. Companies and uh, uh, you know theme and plugin authors. So we see like uh, you know membership sites are like in learning management sites. Like those are all the rage right now, and they're amazing projects for us because they're you know have complex requirements and managing users and databases and stuff. But um, that's a huge one. Um, and then, gosh, what else are we seeing? Oh, and then there's like the whole B two B thing right now. So we do obviously a ton of e commerce, but a lot of people are taking these legacy kind of B2B, you know, vendor sites where, you know, previously the vendors would come in and fill out a little checkbox of what they wanted to order and then it would go. So so now these companies are, are wanting to see those systems done as e-commerce systems. So basically, um, you know, modern day e-commerce site only for their internal vendors and, and distributors mm-hmm. and everything. So, so more, more of that B2B or, yeah, uh, which, you know, there, there are different ways that these happen. Sometimes it's more of a a punch out for the checkout that's going into yeah. some some you know vendor system, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, absolutely, it's a people are kind of becoming modern with those, yeah. Well, and as as an expert, if you're going to be building that, I talk about B two C versus B two B, kind of like being a you know a residential contractor that can build a house <laughs> versus somebody that can build yeah. you know a, a strip mall up to code. That mm-hmm. there are differences. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily all, all in one the same. Doesn't mean that mm-hmm. um, someone that can build a strip mall can't build a house, but right. you know, not everyone has the same experience and expertise. So, 
Yeah, Certainly. you have to be intimately familiar with with that platform you're building on and and the in, intricacies of it. And so that's where you know true specialization, vetted specialization, really uh, makes or breaks a project from the very start. And yeah, you know, so. even for jet rails, you know, we have to differentiate in, in the market. Um, and a lot of the things that we focus on on the scalability and elasticity yep. and the security and PCI compliance and loading speed optimization. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got tools out there like, you know, time to first bite speed tests through our site and, and other cool things that, you know, you'd be amazed at how many site owners are, are using or testing that, um, yep. that, you know, th- these are things that are important um, to these business owners and to their customers. And, um, you know, so we have to follow the, those trends to an extent, Yeah, and listen. Uh, yeah. you know, exactly. You know, it's, it's, we don't drive the market, you know, they do, which is part of why, yeah. you know, partnering up with, you know, big commerce and that's an area where, so they just, ha- uh, published, uh, in the last few weeks, an article from us about, um, your WordPress site speed and how to mm-hmm. test and, um, how to speed it up and di- different best practices. It was a, a pretty comprehensive one. Um, yeah. I had a lot of fun with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, a hot topic for hosting companies e- for sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'd love and, to read that too. Yeah, of, um, you know, something that we can easily share. Awesome. Uh, you know that in general, um, it, it's about meeting the market where they need to be, and that's part of what I love about. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the marketplace model is that you get to <laughs> see that in aggregate in a lot of ways like we do, yeah, um, dealing with lots pavement. of different end users. Um, so I, you know, I, I do know that, um, that your team extended an, an offer for, um, for our customers and folks, uh, if we're bringing somebody over that, uh, um, that, that they might be able to get some initial credit to break the ice, mm-hmm. um, to, to test out your services. So that's something that, that perhaps, uh, I can get shared in, um, in, in the show notes that go out yeah. with, uh, with the podcast. Absolutely. And even like, I'll kind of just speak to that. That's a, it's a great value. The kind of coupon we offer for our partners to, you know, make it easier for their customers to get a free estimate, just to consider if they want to hire, you know, quality help and, and make it a little bit easier for them. And um, those coupons can also be used towards uh, consultations, which are really nice just to have, you know, have a conversation with a developer who's intimately familiar to kind of help you think about how to approach something. And so um, those are awesome. We love it. Um, it's, and you, you obviously work with a, a great clientele as well and um, at jet rails. And so, um, it's a thing, but also like, you know, we, we yeah, love, we it love our, our customers. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and so it's, it's funny. I mean, it's just, uh, the coupon's awesome. Definitely use it, but, uh, really our customers, once they, it's that goes back to that drug dealer thing. It's like, we just want to get them to try us because they can see for themselves. I'm, I mean, I'm kind of salesy, obviously. You know, I can't. I'm an advocate. I can't not like talk about how great and how much I love Codable. But it's, it's really. I'm like, yeah, the coupon's cool, but just come try us because you're gonna get more value than the coupon. You know, just mm-hmm. out of like that conversation or realizing what it's like to work with a, a true professional. And normally, that's like reserved for those who can afford an agency, you know? And so what about those ones in the middle that maybe don't want to engage an agency or whatever? And, and to still be able to get that quality, it's like, oh man, like that's, that's the real value there. So, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, we align very well, you and I around it that, you know, I'm not in sales, but um, I, I'm proud of, uh, you know, of, uh, of the team that I'm, I'm out here representing um, as a partnership and alliance guy. And, at the end of the day, you know, 
keeping it customer centric, um, you know, really being about what the market needs, what, uh, what our users need, finding ways to deliver on that. You know, we know that when we can get someone talking to our team, that the rest yeah. is going to happen. Um, yeah. that, that we don't fear that. It's usually just getting across that threshold of, you know, someone, they know that they're, you know, they're hosting support isn't really what they want it to be. Yeah. Um, their site has some intermittent issues. They don't know if their site's going to hold up to some burst of traffic that they might get. Um, mm-hmm. You know, th- these are the sorts of issues where, you know, one conversation, we know we can take great, great care of people the, yeah. the same way they're not sure how their security is sitting or um, there, there are all these things that people go through with web hosting where it's infrastructure. You're not in a mm-hmm. rush to go and, and change it. But when you actually uh, stop, yeah, <laughs> you're really happy that you did. Right. Um, yeah. you know, so we definitely keep that um, in mind. And we're always yeah. you know, thankful when people take the time because, you know, we're low pressure sales, right? Either they're, yeah. they're, they're looking for what we're offering or, or they're not. Yeah. Um, and maybe they're not this week, but, you know, maybe they'll, they'll come back to us in the new year or things like that. But that's, that's all okay. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's when people see uh, solutions to the real problems that they have, you know, mm-hmm. and, and outside of that commodity side of it. So flipping this around from, <laughs> from, from some things earlier, yes, the commodity is important. But when they see the, the quality control, um, when they see the, uh, the, the nuance and the ability to meet and perhaps exceed their needs and expectations, that's what it's all about. Yeah, um, it's always worth it for them too. And, and there's even, I was quoting uh, Zig Ziglar in an email I sent where it's just someone asked a question about, you know, why would I pay for your service when I can go get it here for way less or whatever? And it's like, well, I could go, I could take an hour just so that question alone. But uh, there's a Zig Ziglar quote that's, it's unwise to pay too much, but it's worse to pay too little. And it's just like, and and that's where it's just like, yo, we're not asking a lot. It's, it's a fair value. It's like, you're just not quite realizing, you know, this is what you've been wanting the whole time. You just, yeah. you know, had a, had a taste. So. Any wise dollar foolish you yeah. know, happens. And, yeah. you know, at JetRails, we recognize we're not a one size fits all for every user. And we respect that, you know, wholeheartedly. But mm-hmm. um, when you're a more established business or, or in a growth phase and, uh, you know, and, and these things start to matter, you don't necessarily have need or want of having your own 24-7 uh, system operations team, um, <laughs> managing your, your hosting properly, but, you know, having yeah. a team like jet rails monitor it and maintain mm-hmm. and manage 24 seven and pick up the phone within 10 seconds for anything and everything. Right. And it, there are, are economies of scale that what is the downtime cost you? What are the, the customer, uh, you know, issues that, that can arise cost you? What are, what is a security incident, um, in e-commerce? wind exactly. up costing you in terms of your brand, your customer lifetime, value, believe, all these things. Wholeheartedly that in that. About. Yeah. So, you know, we, we look at it as, yes, you know, you can go to host X and then whenever you have a problem, you can go through six layers of people to get, <laughs> to get an answer and you can burn a lot of billable time and a lot of valuable yep. time doing it. Or you Cost can come more, to us yeah. and get a real expert on the line in seconds. Yeah. Um, there's a difference. And so you yeah. might pay for for these things one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so I, I'd say the same, you know, you, you may get some cheap work, uh, you know, from some freelancer that you find through, 
through some, you know, large, large, you know, sourcing system. And, uh, you know, it, it may seem like a deal, but <laughs> sometimes yeah. it is too good to be true. Yeah. But, and it could work out still. Like, that's yeah, right. Not Absolutely that, can. But, but if, yeah. If you think it's expensive to hire a real true professional or an expert, wait until you feel the cost of hiring a cowboy. Like that's well, the... <laughs> and in many cases, you know, you may wind up absorbing that cost and then coming around to someone with, with you know, with better credentials. And so you, you wind up double paying. Price um, buyers are twice buyers. The other one, yeah, that's <laughs> this right. is all fresh on my mind because I just wrote a little kind of blurb about it. I should write a whole blog about it, but yeah, and you should write a blog about it for our yeah. blog. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> uh, that would be fun. So, yeah. um, I'll wrap up with uh, you know anything new or coming down the pike. Any other final thoughts uh, to wrap up with? Yeah, no, thank you for asking. I appreciate the opportunity to say that. I mean, it's, it's, we just last week at Codable, as far as Codable goes, maybe not me personally, but uh, Codable just launched our, it, it was a year long project for us to get our new brand or refreshed brand and new website out. So obviously the, the cobbler's, Children have no shoes. Uh, the <laughs> website project was the hardest project we've probably ever done internally. Just a lot of stakeholders really caring a whole lot. And, and so, uh, but it came out beautifully and all the feedback we've gotten is all positive. And so we have a little more work to do there to kind of fully roll it out. But definitely, um, if you're listening, go check out codable.io. <laughs> We're super proud of our new brand there. Um, and it was always codable, just different logo or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's awesome. Um, and then, Congratulations. Uh, That's a huge undertaking. Or, it's a huge milestone. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, now I, I kind of want to be funny and ask you, um, you know, how, what your experience was using Upwork to get that project ah. done. Right? Uh, <laughs> no, but we, we ate our own dog food. We actually Excellent. did hire our, our developers to do it. They did a, a fantastic job. So go inspect the code Phenomenal. if you want on the site. Yeah, we're proud of it finally. So wasn't the case with the old one so much. <laughs> Bit of technical no, debt there. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're, I think it's very, very common in the industry it's been the case anywhere that i've been that um it's like a house it's never truly done by the time you finish with something you just want to start over yeah (laughs) Yeah. so that's exactly what the person who led the project said yeah yeah yeah, and so so yeah, so and then and so that's that's kind of that. Um, me personally, I, I'm super fortunate that I have uh, an awesome agreement with uh, my work, where um, I'm I'm dedicated full time to Codable. This is kind of what I do is partnerships and everything. And so, um, but yeah, it's ski season up here in the Pacific Northwest where I um, where I'm from. And so, uh, if we can get a little more snow, then I have a kind of a special agreement at work that I can kind of take off snow days when the weather's good. So I'm just looking forward to kind of disconnecting a little bit this winter and kind of yeah hitting the next year kind of strong um both skiing and with codable so um yeah i'm I'm really fortunate that you know the fully distributed workforce kind of allows me to do that and that's kind of something we really believe in and and are pushing as an aside from but it's still relevant to the the whole freelancer conversation so absolutely um, and if if you get too much snow up there that you'll you'll have to come down my way to south florida and thaw out a bit but uh, no i'll i'll need a serious thought and one of my main colleagues lives uh just yeah outside of orlando so um if i come down there i'll definitely take you up on that (laughs) yeah sounds great well thank you so much for joining today for all your time and insights uh to our our listeners thank you for joining us for another episode of the jet rails podcast Uh, You can subscribe anywhere that you listen to fine podcasts like this. (laughs) Uh, uh, As well, um, you can find out about new episodes as they launch and 
and, and other meaningful information by following JetRails on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or, or LinkedIn. Um, and we love to hear from our listeners. So you can always uh, reach out through those mediums um, and, and comment or uh, drop us a line, uh, as well as going right to jetrails.com in order to reach out. So um, awesome. thank you to all. And uh, as yeah. I like to say to our e-commerce listeners, <laughs> um, happy listen- uh, happy selling. Yeah, yeah. I want to say thank you to all the listeners as well and, and yourself, Robert, and, and JetRails as well. It means a lot to be included here. So thanks. Thanks again for the opportunity. Absolutely. All right, signing off.